Hello, fellow true crime lovers. This is Richa. And I'm Haley. Welcome to a new episode of Times of Crime. Yeah. Okay, to start off, Haley, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking an old-fashioned bullet bourbon. Mm, I don't know. I love bullet. My AirPod got lost, and I was stressed <laughs> looking for it. And then I, I found know. out that my son put it in a snorkel, and it was stuck in there. And now... Yeah, so I was like, I need to pour myself a good drink. And yeah. I'm also drinking water. What are you drinking? So I am drinking water with ice and a little bit of lime juice for hydration. It was We celebrated a little late for my dad's birthday, so I had my share, fair share of drinks today, uh, including a peach margarita, which was uh, loaded with sugar and alcohol. Mm. So it got me a little day buzzed (laughs) and then I was able to get in a workout session before we started this recording so I'm trying to just hydrate my body back yeah that's a good idea yeah uh okay so quickly we're gonna go into our disclaimers for uh today these episodes contain gory details and sometimes uh tragic stories if you're listening to us without any headphones on and you're listening to us on loud around children please take us off (laughs) and put your headphones in or remove the child from the room that you're listening to the episode in or any person who might be affected by these stories because sometimes they do hit home and they hit hard Um, so just a fair warning today's episode um, is still sad uh, but hopefully not thankfully not as gory and I don't think I've shared with Haley (laughs) what my episode is about but for a change compared to our last few episodes it won't be a tough one in terms of details to get through yeah so yeah so it's about a missing person the missing person that we're going to talk about is heather elvis um in she met missing in 2013 and we're going to go into details about later about who's going to be possibly on trial for what so you ready hilly I am ready. Okay. I'm excited. This will be our first missing case. Missing case, yeah. And hopefully it doesn't involve, well, it it always involves someone's kids, I'm sure, but no underage people, thankfully, for once. Okay. So everyone can now let out a sigh of relief. There's (laughs) going to be no kids on this one. Um, Well, someone's child, and I just do still feel bad for them, but no underage. Okay, so our story starts on December 19, 2013, when Horry County Police respond to a police report of a suspicious vehicle that's been parked and left unattended at a Peachtree Boat Landing for hours. And for those who don't know what a boat landing is, which I didn't, and I'm pretty sure Haley does because I know where she's grown up, yeah. it's basically a ramp that you can that leads into a body of water from where you can put your boat into the water or take it out of the water. Um, just depends on which way you're going. So this car was parked at the far end of a tree-lined road in Socastee count in Socastee, which is about eight miles from Myrtle Beach, the town in South Carolina. This car turns out to be a green Dodge Intrepid, which belongs to a Heather Elvis, but was registered to her father Terry Terry Elvis at the time. So obviously the police want to go talk to the registered owner. Um, so they head over to Terry Elvis's house and he was sitting in the living room when he hears a knock on the door and it was obviously the police asking about the abandoned car that they had found at Peachtree Boat Landing. So he goes with the police to look at it and at first thinks that it was probably maybe stolen because of how it was left at the boat landing. He said, I quote, I thought the car might have been stolen because of the way it was parked. Maybe somebody took it and left it there. It really didn't hit me, where's Heather, until the police started looking through things. End quote. The car was in pretty good working condition. There was still air in the tires. The windows were intact and the doors were locked. And essentially the point they're trying to make from all the articles I read The takeaway was that it didn't seem like the car had been stolen, but if it wasn't stolen, then where was Heather? There was no sign of struggle, nothing, right? Like everything looked pristine as far as the car went. Hmm. The only thing odd about it was that none of Heather's belongings, who used to actually drive the car, were in the car. And that's when the dad starts to get worried. They didn't think that she just like went out on the boat or anything and left her car there overnight? 
it's just weird. Yeah. So it's been there for hours. They're contacting the dad. The dad's just coming into the realization that, oh, crap, like it's not stolen. And where's my daughter? You know, mm-hmm. um, so it eventually does become evident that Heather is missing because I'm sure no one can get in touch with him. I'm sure the dad tried to call him and call her and didn't get in touch with her. So. So the police start to try to piece together her last known movements and whereabouts and sightings. And they land on a Steve Sheraldi, who she went on a date with the night before, December 18th, 2013. When the police talk to him, he says that after the date, he just dropped her off at home. And I don't see anything in the sources or any of the articles that I read about, you know, whether I'm sure the police checked it out, but Steve Sheraldi's basically crossed off as a person of interest or suspect pretty early on so i'm sure his alibi must have checked out somehow Mm -hmm. so next they go to her workplace um she worked at a tilted kilt (laughs) i love tilted kid they're tilted kilt they're a great bar slash brewery and have some Mm. great i was just gonna ask what tilted kilt is i thought it was like a sewing fabric place for a moment (laughs) no it's (laughs) like um it's not exactly hooters but it's like sort of I'm not even sure if it's considered upscale, but it's it does serve food like bar food and appetizers, entrees and there's beers. And I think there's also a full bar. It's been a while since I've been to one, but I do remember I used to like going to them. I'm going to have to go to one now. Yeah, you're going to have to come visit. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. so next they go to a workplace where the manager says that she actually wasn't scheduled to work until the next day. Uh, but he, she does tell them to call, quote, Moore. So this is where the story gets kind of twisty. Moore stands for Sydney Moore. And Sydney is sort of like a unisex name. In this case, it's a guy's name. So I'm going to take a step back and go into why the manager of Tilted Kilt suggested that they talk to the Sydney Moore in the first place. So it turns out that Heather Elvis and Sydney Moore, Sydney, who was married, by the way, mm. were having an affair. One of her coworkers, and I think she was also one of her roommates, Brianna Kulzer, said, we all knew, and I quote, we all knew about it because people did make fun of Heather knowing that he was a married man. Heather was made fun of a lot, and she was called multiple names by girls we worked with. One day, two of the girls even decided to call the Tilted Kilt and pretend to be Tammy, Sydney's wife. Mm-hmm. So now, end quote. So now we know that Sydney's wife is Tammy Moore. Heather was a hostess at Tilted Kilt, like I had said before, and Sydney would stop by because he was a maintenance worker there. So apparently. How before, old is Heather? You know, good question. I don't know. Let me Google. Um, I'll Google it right now. She was born in 1993. So when she disappeared, so she's she was 20. She, she'd be 28 today. Okay. But okay. when she disappeared, she was 20. And she's having an affair with a married man. Do we know how old the man is? I think he was around 40, but I don't know. I didn't look up people's oh, ages in this one. Let me look up. Sydney Moore age. 37 years old um, when now? he was in June of 2013. So now okay. he's probably even older. And while I'm at it, let me look up Tammy Moore's age. She is 49 today. So in 2013, which is about nine years ago, she'd be 40. Yeah, so they're just about 40, 40 years old. So he's having an affair with some 20-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's married, wow. about 40, 37 at the time. He's having an affair with a 20-year-old girl, which is probably why her friends or coworkers at the workplace made fun of her. You know you know how 20-year-olds are. Well, well, okay. any woman having an affair with someone's husband, too. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. So apparently, before his, his affair with Heather in 2013, he actually had had another one that had already made Tammy, his wife, super suspicious of him. And from the articles that I read online and some of the clips that I watched from different media outlets that covered the story, apparently Dateline did a story on them, 2020 did a story on this case. Um, Anyways, all the sources state that apparently Tammy was incredibly controlling. And eventually this will go to trial Uh, And we'll get into what they go to trial for. But the prosecutor, Chris Helms, 
spoiler alert, Tammy and Sydney go to trial. This is in my notes. So I'm just reading my notes. Um, said that Tammy Moore was definitely the more domineering part of the couple. She told Sydney where to work, when to work, what to do. If I could classify Sydney as anything in that relationship, it would be utterly submissive. So the woman wore the man pants, apparently, according to the prosecutor. Tammy was the one who dictated him around. And can you blame her, honestly? Like, if you've caught your husband, like, cheating around on you multiple times, and you're still choosing to be with him, then yeah, I would be very, very like hyper aware of where my husband goes every day too. For sure. 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. I won't really put my own <laughs> opinion on if somebody cheats on me because you really don't know until you're in that situation how you're going to behave or act or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that I'd have the courage to walk away from it and know that I deserve better. But you're right. Like you never know what someone's going through, why they choose to stay. I have no idea. Right. And actually, in this case, I don't think they have kids, but this is it isn't explicitly like laid out anywhere. Actually, no, they do have a son. They do have a son. It does come up. I, okay. I changed my mind. They do have a son, at least. Anyways, moving on. Shocking, but Tammy eventually also finds out about Sydney's affair with Heather. And before you ask, I don't actually know how she found out. Some of the articles that I was reading, they're just very back and forth on the timeline because they're so much to cover in this case in terms of dates and I got very lost when I was reading all the articles as to what happened when it happened so it was hard to keep track of it so I don't actually know how she found out but she does find out so after finding out she absolutely loses it I mean I would too this is like the second time he's going around cheating on her uh anyway yeah. she confronts Sydney about the affair and forces him to end the relationship with Heather but Tammy takes it to another level because she basically starts harassing Heather. Uh, she would she calls her, she would call her and belittle her and would say things like Sydney just used you for a booty call. And then she was actually relentless about her attacks on Heather. She would call and text Heather nonstop and basically bully her on social media by leaving random annoying comments on her page and you know, just the whole nine. She basically goes crazy wife on this mistress. Heather's manager at the Tilted Kilt, um, Jessica Cook, according to an article I read on ABC7, said that Heather was legitimately scared of Tammy. Tammy would call her for hours and hours and hours. She would even use her husband Sydney's phone to call her. She would send pictures to Heather of Sydney and herself, and by herself I mean Tammy, doing sexual things, like video of them doing things together and apparently it was all to taunt her like maybe she won or like I don't know that's weird it is like come on like if you're not like really gonna go that far like if you're gonna be with this guy and have sex with this guy you're really gonna like taunt this little 20 year old girl for it like, yeah what the hell? I'm sure there's a lot of insecurity involved there but from from a third person, I, mean, I understand. Looking, yeah, from a third person's perspective, this sounds like a very toxic relationship. So I'm sure. And I understand too, like that shit makes you go crazy. Like, you know, it does. Being being with somebody who's sneaking around, whether they're sneaking around because they're doing drugs, or they're sneaking around because they're cheating on you, or whatever they're doing, or living a second second life and cross dressing on the side. Like somebody sneaking around and not cross dressing. Being truthful let, with let, let's pause there. That was a very specific <laughs> mention, Haley. <laughs> well, I just like think any like I have dated a drug addict. But I'm just like, I haven't dated a cross-dresser. But I'm thinking like, they probably think they have to hide sometimes from their like, wives Maybe we need to stuff. pause for a separate tangent of a story here. <laughs> I need to hear about <laughs> right. this. I don't have a story of dating a cross-dresser. But, however, I did like kind of, you kind of go a little psychologically crazy when somebody is sneaking around and doing things behind your yeah, back. Yeah, I think no it doesn't what matter is. what you're doing, harmless or not. If you're keeping something from a significant other especially something that takes up a lot of your time or is a trust breaking thing, then yeah. that can have an impact on not just your relationship, but like the other person's psyche, you know, like it can bring in insecurities. It can bring up a lot of what ifs that drive you absolutely crazy. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's just weird that she's taking it out on Heather. <laughs> like right. if you forced her, forced your husband to end the relationship, I feel like in this case, you should be mad at the husband. He's the one running around on you, not like this girl. Oh, well, yep. Yep. I mean, also <clears throat> though, I mean, I could see being mad at Heather because she knows at the same time. It's just like, 
I don't know. You can go through so many what ifs and scenarios here, but it's like it's like the very traditional your best friend cheats on you or your your husband or boyfriend cheats on you with your best friend. It's like and then they always take like the boyfriend or the husband back like but you have to to just not choose a side. You have to choose yourself and be like fuck both of you. I don't know, man. In that case, I would be like how can my friend do that to me? Like I understand How could a, your husband under, who's no, supposed I'm to be your best friend? I wouldn't be mad at my husband, but and I don't know, you know, what the situation is and why if or if I don't take my husband back, but I'm just saying like friendships to me are are sacred i'm not more sacred than marriage but it's like i can i may be able to somehow fathom like how a stranger can do that to me but your friend like your best friend that's like crossing a line to me that's a different kind of trust level that you're that you're betraying that i don't need to work on potentially like i don't know that might be a friendship breaking thing for me personally oh no, it's a friendship breaking thing, but I also think it's a marriage breaking thing. Like it you is. can't just choose one side of the scenario where you forgive one person even though both people are just as guilty. I'm not saying both people are not guilty, but there might be reasons why I might need to take my husband back. Like maybe there are kids involved and you don't want to break up a family. Like you don't you don't in my opinion, marriage requires work regardless. And it always require, it requires efforts on both people's parts to work on it. I'm not saying I would or would not take someone back. Drew, don't cheat on me. I seriously don't cheat on me. I'm like talking about <laughs> We already this. know Drew listens to <laughs> every episode. Don't so. cheat on me. But I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, you got to give. It's possible why you'd want to give marriage a second shot, especially if there are like kids involved. Yeah, I get that. I get it. I just, I don't know, man. That's a hard one. And it's not black and white, and we yeah. won't really ever know until we're in that situation exactly. how we would or wouldn't act. Yeah. Yeah. The only point I'm making here is everyone grieves differently. I'm sure Tammy has her own way, but just... The way that she's doing it is wrong, Don't harass a 20-year-old. Maybe there's better yes. ways to address that than Especially her. don't be sending this chick videos of you having sex with your husband. I would be like, honestly terrified gosh. sending anyone a naked picture or video of me like no like that's not going out anywhere that's you don't like have any my nurse wor- worst worst nightmare ever and you don't have anything better to do with your time than to like call her at all hours of the night yeah that's weird so i mean I, and and breakups are hard enough but then again i don't really know what people expect when they have an affair with a married man like if if you're having an affair with a married man like i feel like this would be part of the package you know the wife may find out and she might go ape shit crazy on you like I don't know I don't I've never been in that situation so I don't know what someone makes I haven't been in that situation but I've seen enough drama tv shows and watch too much true crime to know here's what's gonna happen you got a couple options here one they're gonna find out the wife's gonna find out and she's gonna go batshit crazy on you two uh he's not leaving you for his wife three you're gonna end up dead like, Wait, he is what leaving happens. you for his wife or he's not? He's not going to leave you for your his wife. He's never going to leave his wife for you. Oh, that way. Okay, yeah. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, they always say that and they, it never happens. They, they never right. do. Yeah. Well, apparently Heather was pretty heartbroken about this breakup and I'm sure the harassment from Tammy didn't help the situation. But apparently by the beginning of December of 2013, Tammy's phone calls to Heather finally stop. And Heather starts to look forward to finally moving on and leaving the affair and everything in the past and behind. Uh, Apparently, this was around the time when Tammy and Sydney, in an effort to reconcile their marriage, decide to take a road trip to California. And for this road trip, they buy a brand new black Ford F50. So now we're back to December 19th when the manager decided to tell the police to talk to more. So now we have a background on why she's saying you should go talk to this guy because if Heather is missing. So the police obviously go talk to Sydney. Sydney denies having any contact with Heather, obviously, and gives them the impression that he was over Heather and hadn't really reached out to her or had any recent contact with her. Duh, was he going to say anything different? Like, I don't know why the police even ask, but I guess they have to. (laughs) They have to see if you're lying or not. Yeah, I guess. He also denies being anywhere close to or at the boat landing the night of the disappearance. So obviously, originally, this case just starts out as a missing persons case and the car found showing no signs of struggle or anything violent. Uh, There was 
there's indication that there's potentially no crime committed at all. And like in any missing person case, they decide to look into Heather's phone records, you know, just in case that shows something. And they find that she had at first received a lot of phone calls from the payphone near the boat landing starting around 1.35 a.m. on uh, December 18th. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. And eventually, she had also called that number back nine times, like a random payphone. She's calling this random payphone nine times in the middle of the night, like it's two a.m. in the morning. So this person's sitting by this payphone. I guess they don't know who she's calling, but they this is what they see on her phone records. So the police theorize that the only reason she would call a random payphone back nine times is to get in touch with the person who had just called her, and probably that person like either saying something really important or she, he or she meant something to her the police have pulled a cctv footage from around the payphone and per usual it's super grainy and not clear i mean i don't know why in the world of iphones we don't have clear cctv footage i mean i understand they're expensive but just like why are they even there dude my ring doorbell them? is like 100 percent like amazing video quality like I know. And that thing was I like a hundred dollars. Understand why? If if we can't even see things from it, like why are they even up there? I guess sometimes they do help. I'm just saying, like it's about time, guys, to like make it clear. You know, like like it should not be hard to read a license plate number, guys. Come on, yeah. Like, we have if my ring doorbell can do it, your freaking camera for your business or the street camera should be able yeah, to do it too. Exactly. We're saving lives. <laughs> Anyways, so they see a man walking up to the payphone around the time that uh, Heather was getting these phone calls. And even though they couldn't tell who it was, they decide it's time to call Sydney Moore back in for questioning. So Sydney says that he and Tammy were actually out running errands that night, which including stopping at Walmart to buy, get this, a pregnancy test. Dun, dun, oh, dun. God. <laughs> you said no babies were harmed. No babies were harmed. I'm going to keep keep to that. I'm going to kill that suspicion right now early on. Like we do not need other heart attacks or more nervous laughters from Richa. So the police keep on and he initially denies being the person calling Heather from the payphone, but eventually admits to calling Heather from that payphone that night after the police tell him that they had surveillance footage. I mean, I guess I didn't they didn't tell him that it wasn't clear. So sneaky police, but he admits to the call and says he called Heather to actually tell her to leave him alone. Really? Okay. Now, this seems weird for so many reasons. From a payphone yeah. at the middle of the so night? This seems yeah. weird to me for so many reasons, but here's a few that come to mind. One, why would he call her from a payphone, like you said? Why would he make the call at fucking one in the morning? Like, isn't Tammy already suspicious enough of you that you have to drive yeah. somewhere at 1 30 in the morning to make a weird ass phone call like what did it even tell Tammy and Tammy was like oh yeah okay bye-bye you know I'm cool right? with this um why would they also have so much back and forth if all he's doing is calling her to say leave me the fuck alone like why would she call why would she call that number back nine times yeah no idea Anyways, 100 those were all the questions that come to mind and probably he's lying more. yeah fishy it's sketch at best right he's obviously lying yeah yeah so i guess the police don't buy the story either so they go why couldn't you just lie i said i was trying to get her meet up and she said no i never know why they lie in the first place like you know because you're guilty but you know the shit's gonna come out it just makes you look worse okay and please don't use this for murder but you ever get in trouble with the law you don't say anything and you ask for a lawyer period you just don't say anything I mean, I get that, too. And don't give out pointers, Haley. Everyone, if you are a criminal and listening to our podcast, be as dumb as fuck as you want to be. Okay? We love it. I'm just curious why it happens. You know, if you want to shoot us an IM or DM or an email about what goes through your brain power, like which cells are shooting when you decide to do stupid shit, I just want to know. That's it. But continue to do the stupid shit. I love it. So I, the, they go back to Brianna Coulter, remember, the roommate slash co-worker, um, Heather's roommate. Uh, and she says that Heather actually called her that morning. Um, I'm assuming this is after the early morning call, phone calls with Sydney and, and said, I quote, Sydney called me. 
My heart dropped because I was like, I thought we were past this, I said. And she said, why'd you answer? And she says, because it wasn't his number. She told me that he said he left his wife, dun dun dun, Haley, (laughs) and that he was sorry and that he wanted to see her and be with her. And I told her, don't do it. Why don't you go to sleep, sleep on this, and we'll talk about it first thing in the morning. Who's this? This is Heather calling Brianna, her roommate, Brianna, after she talks to Sydney. And this is the conversation that they've had. That apparently Sydney told her he was going to leave Tammy. He was sorry. He wants to get back with her. And be where's with her. where's Heather at this point in time? Because Brianna's is she not home? Heather's not home. Honestly, not that's home? a good question, and I don't know. That doesn't come up. Maybe Brianna wasn't home, or maybe Heather. Maybe Brianna had a late night shift. I'm not sure. I don't actually know mm. how long uh, Tilted Kilt is open for. Because Brianna is not just her roommate; she's also a coworker, coworker. at Tilted Kilt. Yeah. So I don't know. That's not clear, but it's a good question. So Brianna says that by the end of that call, she actually got the impression that Heather had agreed not to act on it and was just going to go to sleep, but. However, the police now know that Sydney again lied about why he called her. Because remember, Sydney told the police that he called her to leave him the fuck alone, right? So they go back to Sydney again. <laughs> but before they do that, they decide to check out a few things before they do that this time. Like his alibi that he had given about Walmart. And it checks out. The police dig deeper into Heather Elvis's movements that night and find that after the payphone calls, which lasted until around 2.09 a.m. So this is about... 40, an hour and nine minutes? No, no. 1.35 to 2.9, 10. So it's about 45, 35 to 40 minutes. She mm-hmm. called Sydney Moore's phone several times from 3.17 a.m. to 3.21 a.m. And apparently there is a phone call that lasts four minutes and then Heather begins driving to Peachtree Landing. So to recap... She gets a payphone call phone call. She gets a phone call from a payphone at 1.35 a.m. She's trying to call that number back nine times. Then those phone calls end at about 2.09 a.m. She then starts calling Sydney around 3.17 a.m. There's a phone call that lasts with Sydney for about four minutes. And after that phone call, she starts driving to Peachtree Landing. So Sydney's calling her on the payphone. She calls it back nine times. Can we tell if he answers it any of those nine times? I can't. I don't know what they, but she just calls it back. And I guess they don't pick up or he doesn't pick up. So he doesn't pick up nine times. And then, so she resorts to calling his cell phone. Mm -hmm. But this is an hour and 10 minutes later, she calls the cell phone now. So I'm assuming in the middle, she must have called Brianna, right? And been like, oh, Sydney called me. They must have had that conversation. And then now she's calling Sydney back. Um, so once he- Heather reaches Peachtree Boat Landing, she continues to call Sydney's phone uh, between 3.37 a.m. to 3.41 a.m. And as these calls are happening, um, the police also pull video surveillance from two cameras further up the road by Peachtree Landing. Um, and those cameras recorded a, get this, black Ford F-150 headed toward the landing. <laughs> So if mm. now if you remember the little tidbit about Tammy and Sydney going on this California road trip and they bought a brand new car. Well, that brand new car was a black Ford F-150. Yes, I remember. Um, and about 3.41 a.m., Heather's phone goes dead. So that is the last time her phone pings, according to all these uh, sources. So police try to search for other owners in the area, you know, just to be like, Maybe it was a random other black Ford F-150. So they searched the area for owners who had the same truck and discover, I quote, Horry County police found that Sidney Moore was the only person that lived that close to the landing owning that kind of truck. Wow. (laughs) Coincidence. Maybe don't buy a brand new truck right before you're about to commit a fucking crime. (laughs) Um. So those same video cameras then caught that same black that, that caught the black truck headed towards Peach Peachtree Landing also captured video of the truck headed back in the opposite direction literally four minutes later at 3:45 a.m. they catch that truck headed back. So this is af- fi- this is four minutes after Heather Elvis's final call to Sydney's cell phone. By the way. 
So she apparently gets to Peachtree Landing at 3.37 a.m. She starts calling Sydney's phone. Um, her last call to Sydney is at, is at about 3.41 a.m. Um, then her phone goes dead, and at 3.45 a.m., this black truck that was headed towards the landing is now headed in the opposite direction. So now this is still all circumstantial, but enough for police to get a warrant for the Moorer's house because it all looks sketch. And they notice that the Moorers had installed a brand new security system for their home since the police's first visit on December 20th. Um, so remember, they found this abandoned car on December 19th. Heather, Heather was last seen December 18th, 2013. The police visit the Moorers house the first time on December 20th. And apparently that's when the Moorers like, we need security footage. I have never heard of this happening, by the way. Like the criminals themselves going, yeah, I think this is sketch. I'm going to install some security footage. So that the police don't come back. Like, I don't know the reasoning there. Yeah, but for some reason, they installed a security system. Kudos on the police, like, actually acting fast for one test. Well, I shouldn't say for what. Yeah, thank you I was for surprised as, as to how fast they treat this as a missing person. Like, I don't know. I guess she has been missing since December 18th. And they're finding the car on December 19th. So it has been 24 hours. Um, yeah, but also, like... I don't know. From where I'm from, if there's par- cars parked at a boat landing, like that usually means somebody went out on the boat. So like it being there left over for 24 hours is unusual. Actually, I think I did read somewhere, but don't quote me on it because it's not on my notes and it might have been something that I just forgot to, to quickly jot down. But they do search the body of water near the boat landing for like a body or something later on. And I don't think they found anything. Um. Okay, so... Do we know if the Moors owned a boat or are you going to get into that? No. Actually, they never talk about a boat. This this okay. has nothing to do with the actual boat landing. I actually don't know why they picked that boat landing as the spot. Maybe it was just... Probably just an easy place. They probably met up there. And like, it, was, it seems like it was far enough away from the actual town. Like they thought eight miles was enough. <laughs> well, my guess is they probably met there a lot. And since it was kind of close to his house, like he could probably get in and out like within a decent amount of time without his wife noticing. Yeah, because his wife is not suspicious at all and doesn't stalk people and going out at 1 a.m. is totally normal. Yeah. Well, no, none of that. But (laughs) I'm guessing that they've been meeting up there during their affair multiple times. Maybe. Yeah. It's not mentioned anywhere, but that's a good theory for sure. I I was actually wondering why they picked Boat Tree Landing, but it could be their old meetup spot or something. Anyway, so this new security footage has some footage that they check and they also decide to check the Moore's brand new truck for evidence or anything. Now I quote, it was a brand new F-150, fully loaded, had all the bells and whistles. And this is the prosecution in the trial. He says this, and that's who I'm quoting. Um, in this truck was a GPS navigation system. We, as in the prosecution, learned through the course of our investigation that it was possible to disengage the system, and that's exactly what they did. Investigators determined that the system had only been disengaged once the night Heather went missing. End quote. Mm, not suspicious. Yep. Not suspicious at all, guys. Also, don't buy a fucking brand new truck. Like, right With navigation before- system. Yeah. And then turn it off. It's so weird. Like, they did everything that was wrong. Again, guys, do all the dumb shit that you want to if you're committing a crime. Just shoot us a DM about why you do it. That's all I really want to know. <laughs> why did you do this? Yeah, why does your brain work this way? Um, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed, that's for sure. Yep. So Sydney and Tammy Moore are then arrested and charged with murder and kidnapping in February of 2014. So she went missing in December and in two-ish months later, Sydney and Tammy are charged with murder and kidnapping. So since there was no body found, and I'm going to sadly mention Heather has still to this date not been found, um, and the evidence was all circumstantial, the murder charges actually eventually get dropped. But they Mm. move forward with the kidnapping charges. I quote kidnapping. So this was an ABC7 article that I was reading. And I was wondering why they went with kidnapping. Like what could they even prove? But this quote will actually help answer that. Uh, So quote kidnapping in South Carolina means to decoy, inveigle, or take another individual. End quote. 
start actually still quoting. So even though, though the phone call from the payphone that Sydney made, it was to decoy her out, and that that's considered kidnapping. End quote. Mm, right. So to get her out of the house. Yeah. To meet up. That's kidnapping. Yeah. Got it. So the police still didn't have a motive, though. If the relationship had ended and Tammy and Sydney were apparently working on their marriage and about to go on this road trip and Heather was finally moving on, why would anyone want to do this? Again, good question. I have no idea why. That is a good question because at first I was like, what do you mean? What's the motive? And then you're like, well, actually, the wife already knows. The husband's already stopped contact. Well, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be stopping contact with her. Yeah, and Heather was like, finally moving on despite Tammy's annoying texts and phone calls. Then, yeah, what is what the hell is your motive? Like, you want to kill this girl? Why? Yeah. So, well, they find out from Heather's manager. Remember Jessica Cook that I mentioned earlier and more co-workers who they don't mention by name that they had actually noticed Heather Elvis had gone up in size prior to her disappearance. Oh, yes. The pregnancy test. <laughs> so Brianna, her roommate. That's the motive. Yeah, there you are. So Brianna, her roommate, said, I quote, Heather had taken a pregnancy test while at work. I want to say it was the beginning of November, and she at the time wasn't sleeping with anyone else other than Sydney, end quote. We later find out that the initial tests Heather had taken showed an error. Okay, I have to pause here because I have taken multiple pregnancy tests at this point in my life, right? And I have never gotten the answer error i don't even know what the fuck that means like how oh, i've gotten it i've oh, gotten really? it multiple times because i was like yeah. how can you pee on this stick wrong so how do you get an error i'm not sure how it happens but it's like at the angle you're holding it at i believe oh but i've had multiple ones that like air even i was pregnant with crew like i had an air one out of like a pack of three and then um i don't know they kept saying pregnant, but they yeah, were like, I the was lines. like, guys, I don't know what air means. I have no viable explanation for this, but that makes sense. I mean, they do yeah. tell you you have to hold it in a certain way. I didn't know there was, was that exact about it. I, I always just put it down on flat ground so I don't have to hold it at all. Um, anyways, Brianna eventually says that she never actually found out if Heather was pregnant and that it was kind of up in the air. But if this was true and Heather was pregnant, knowing what people know about Tammy being jealous and controlling this now gives Sydney and Tammy motive. Also, like the other side of that too, though, is like, you know, when girls play the pregnancy card when they're getting dumped. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, but I mean, they're, they're saying the coworkers noticed that she had gone up in size. So it's not just like her making up a story. Like right. other people are noticing. Now, I'm not saying that people's weights can't fluctuate. My weight fluctuates all the time. This is all just God, conjecture. Fluctuates. Yeah. This is all just conjecture. And they do say they didn't never actually find out. I'm just saying that this is what the police are basing their case on. And if you remember, Sydney had also said that they had gone. He had gone to Walmart that night to pick up a pregnancy test. So. Mm-hmm. So they go ahead with the kidnapping case. And in the end, despite a lot of circ- circumstantial evidence and witnesses giving bad character evidence against the Moore's, you know, like she socked her, called her controlling, blah, blah, blah. And Sydney was just a piece of shit, whatever. After about eight hours of deliberation between two days, the jury in Sydney Moore's trial is unable to reach a ver- verdict. The, du- the judge declares it a mistrial and Sydney Moore is eventually scheduled for a retrial at a later date. In August 2017, so now this is Four years after the actual disappearance, the police charged Sydney with an obstruction of justice charge for lying to the police on multiple occasions, like not being in contact with her or for being away from Petrie Landing the night of, etc. So the list goes on. We talked about how much he lied about and the police just kept going back to him. Do we ever do they he ever do a lie detector test or whatever they call it? No, if they did, then I didn't hear or read about it in any of the research. So, well, the jury, after only 50 minutes of deliberation, five zero minutes of deliberation, find Sydney guilty and he gets 10 years in prison. Prison. I did not know that you get so much time for obstruction of justice. Like I have heard people get less time for worse. So this blew my mind that for obstruction of justice, you're potentially getting 10 years. Anyways, um, Tammy gets tried in October 2018. This is now almost five years after Heather's disappearance on 
two charges, kidnapping and and conspiracy to kidnap. Now, remember, there's actually, up until now in the story, even no circumstantial evidence against Tammy herself. She's not on any surveillance video. There's never any phone calls from her phone. She isn't on the video from Walmart, et cetera, et cetera. So the police expected this to be actually a much harder case for the prosecution against Tammy. Um, but during the two years since her husband Sydney's kidnapping trial, prosecution continues to pour over the data in the Moore's phone records. And they found that there was more, quote, more of a pattern, end quote, between the time Heather Elvis broke up with Sydney and when she went missing. They scour through Tammy's phone records and basically discover that after Tammy learned about Sydney's affair with Heather, she wasn't just harassing her, she was stalking her. Apparently, Tammy's yeah. phone pings close to Heather's phone in all these records, and the pattern they discover was that the Moore's phones both Sydney and Tammy's phones began to ping cell phone towers near Heather Elvis after November 2nd, 2013. This is shortly after Tammy convinces Sydney that he needs to break up with Heather. So they're essentially like stalking her on a daily basis because everywhere Heather goes, you can see that Sydney and Tammy's phones ping close to her. And So they're both stalking her? I guess Tammy's they're they're building the case that Tammy's this controlling person and insecure and she's essentially like forcing Sydney to do all of this and that they're stalking Heather to find where in her routine she's the most vulnerable. So um for Heather. Yeah. Anyway, so they they also find that both Tammy and Sydney's phones were connecting to a cell tower close to the payphone at Peachtree Landing. Sydney used to call Heather Elvis. So we already know Sydney was there at the boat landing because he admits to it. But now they find through cell phone records that Tammy's phone was also pinging close to it. So she must have either been in the truck or hiding somewhere. I don't know what that means, but her phone pings on by a cell phone tower by that landing. Wow. Yeah. So the prosecution presented even more character witnesses against Tammy, claiming how controlling she was, that she even made Sydney get a tattoo of her as a sort of punishment for having the affair. They even call their son, I forget his name now, so I'm not even going to try and guess, but they call a son saying that apparently he was at the tattoo parlor when the mom was convincing the dad to get the tattoo, and she he says something like she said, if you hadn't had the affair, you wouldn't be getting this done. I don't know how getting a tattoo on his lower abdomen does anything for Tammy, but whatever floats your boat, right? Anyways, honestly, no one could... Did it say her name on it? Yeah, it says her name. It's it's her oh, name's that's why. tattoo. Yeah. Honestly, still thinking of it, no one could make me get a tattoo of anything unless they were literally holding a gun to my head. If I'm ever getting a tattoo, it's because I either really want to, not because someone else wants me to, let alone wants to punish me for something that I did. Like, I'm not putting anything in my body permanently just because someone told me to do it. Well, my guess at this point, Sydney's just trying to do whatever to make his wife happy. But I don't get why. Why? (laughs) Well, think about it. Like, I don't know. Your husband's a little bit different, but when, like, men get in arguments with their wives and, like, they're usually, if not usually, but when they are in the wrong, they try sucking up, just like, you know, we do. I don't know. know. People suck suck up. up For what? Like, I I guess I don't, they don't go into. He had an affair. Okay. Clearly, there's a reason for the affair. The, The logical next step would be, man, I had the affair because I was unhappy or I had the affair because I tried to get your attention. The next logical step to me would be if you're trying to work this out. Go to couple therapy. therapy, not go to yeah. like get a fucking tattoo at a tattoo parlor <laughs> to For brand sure. your husband like he belongs to For me. For sure. 100 percent. I agree with you. However, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. That's probably where her mind was thinking, you I'm know, sure. like again. And I that's no why idea. the that's why the husband agreed with it was because like he's not going to disagree because he doesn't want to piss his wife off more. Probably. Anyways, probably what happened. I I guess she was the mastermind and all this shit. And he was so they're claiming. Yeah. Anyways, in a a, a very shocking move in Tammy's trial, she says that she actually wants to testify 
And apparently the night before her trial, she had already violated a court order that had told her she couldn't talk about the case. And this idiot gives a full-on interview to ABC News. During this interview, she denies any involvement in the disappearance. And she said, said that she wanted, I quote, to make sure that everything that I did was accounted for, that it's looking normal like any other day in my life end quote she said it was her husband's choice to get the tattoo of her name and that she actually never claimed him she never actually changed chained him to the bed oh i forgot to mention that in the character witnesses they actually bring in some witness that says he at some point she even chained sydney to the bed so he couldn't leave (laughs) um So she denies that and she said that she was angry when she discovered her husband was cheating, but that she was mad at him for lying, not at Heather. Um, In another article I read about this. We already know that's not true because your phone was pinging next to his phone. Exactly. But this is her like giving. I think she's saying this in the interview to ABC News. So in an article. I'm innocent. Look at me. I didn't do anything. (laughs) After she has a court order saying you can't talk about this case to anyone. She goes on a full on interview. This is just weird. Anyways, in an article about this case, I quote, during her testimony, Tammy Moore said she didn't know who her husband was having an affair with until the girl called me back and told me who she was. I had no idea. So the text messages that that apparently the prosecution was showing in the case were not directed towards Heather Elvis, but they were just directed to some girl that she thought Sydney was having an affair with. She never actually knew it was Heather who he was having the affair with. That's what she's saying. Claiming. Yeah. Yeah. So she admits on the stand to that to find out who the affair involved, she didn't go about it the right way. And I quote, I'm sorry for that. It looks bad, but I just wanted to know who it was. That's all. End quote. At first, Tammy looks pretty credible on the stand. But once the prosecution starts cross-examining her, it takes very little to push her buttons. Uh, the prosecution <laughs> asks her about the time frame in which Heather Elvis went missing. And I quote, while Tammy Moore's text messages and social media posts accounted for her whereabouts on the night that heather went missing there was a gap in activity that lined up with around the time that heather goes missing so i guess she must have like planned to post on social media to check out her alibis but apparently doesn't post anything like during the time that heather is going missing so again dumb things why do you guys do it i don't know continue to do it but please tell me why i just want to (laughs) know So, Let Richard know. Yeah, she needs to I know. really want to know, guys. I just really want to know. After four hours of deliberation, Tammy was found guilty of conspiracy to kidnap and kidnapping and was sentenced to two terms of 30 years in prison that could run concurrently. I think that just for, means... For two 30-year sentences? Yeah, so she is found guilty of kidnapping and conspiracy to kidnap. And for that, for each of those, there's a 30-year sentence. But they are the running concurrently, I guess, just means that she can finish the two 30 year terms, not in like 60 years, but in 30 years. So they'll. So the, so the husband got 10 years for now and she gets 30 to 30 years. If the body never get they never find Heather, then can they get involved for murder? No. So this is all about kidnapping and conspiracy to kidnap. Sydney for now is in t- is in prison for obstruction of justice that's that's all they have on him right now but remember he is going on a trial later so sydney moore's retrial was held in september of 2019 in addition to his kidnapping charge he was also facing the same conspiracy to kidnap charge his wife faced during her trial a year earlier so apparently his time in jail for obstruction of justice he gets chummy chub like buddy buddy with the convicted criminal called demarino I only know his last name. A convicted criminal who'd done time for burglary and drug charges. Um, he goes and testifies that Sidney Moore had shown him a picture of Heather Elvis on his phone in 2014. When the prosecution asks Demarino after seeing the picture, he expected if the if he expected the Elvis family to ever see their daughter again. Demarino said no. This is the only mention of a possible murder that I've seen in this entire case. But the judge says that they're not allowed to bring in evidence that points to a murder in the trial because the trial is for kidnapping 
and yeah. conspiracy to kidnap. So the murder needs to stay out. So in addition to DeMarino's testimony, they also pulled security footage from their Moore's new security system that they had installed, remember, and say that Sydney was found washing the car and vacuuming it. Not only that, not only that he was washing the brand new car, which is weird and on its own, he burns the rags that he used to clean the truck afterwards. And this is all on his own security system. Like, I don't understand one, why they installed a new security system. <laughs> then are you so dumb. Again, I don't like, want you guys okay. to stop. I literally just want to know why. I just want to know why. Keep in mind, this was a brand new truck. So why would someone do any of that? Like, why would you clean, vacuum a brand new truck and then then burn? Like, did you, like, do gross shit oh, in the truck? Poor like, Heather. You know. It's all sketch, but it's still circumstantial. After two hours of deliberation, the jury finds Sydney guilty as well, and he gets the same sentence as Tammy had. So two 30-year sentences in prison, and I think they can run concurrently as well. So well, life in prison is 25 years, so. Yeah, and I don't actually know whether there's possibility of parole here or not. I just... That's all I had found so far. There's a sad part in all of this is that even though Sydney and Tammy are in jail, they continue to maintain their innocence and no one has still found Heather or a body and the family has no closure, which kills me. So this is also going to be our first case where we don't a- know what happened. Yeah. Sydney Moore was denied an appeal of his... He tries to appeal his... Um, convictions and he he's denied an appeal of his obstruction of justice conviction in relation to the case back in summer of 2020 he filed a petition to have the state supreme court look at the case that's still pending tammy actually (laughs) appealed the decisions as well in december of 2021 so barely like a month ago and so this is super recent i don't know what the result of her appeal was because i couldn't find that anywhere i tried to but if any of you guys who are listening to us know and i just missed this in my research let us know via email while all these other murderers and criminals are letting me know why they're dumb as fuck i want (laughs) you to help me out with some <laughs> some closure so yeah email us whatever i'm asking you to email me about via email ig or fb and by fb i mean facebook and that's it for tonight that was my case and all that all that <laughs> is at dimes of crime our email is dimes of crime at gmail.com we also have tiktok and we should probably get a twitter so catch us there catch me outside i hate that saying <laughs> anyways well That's it for tonight, folks. We'll see you next week with a drink in hand.